Thank you again for listening to our podcast today. Thank you so much for your support. We worship on Sunday at 10 a.m. here at St. John's Lutheran Church in the heart of downtown Martinsburg, West Virginia. Know that you're always welcome to our table and to our worship. God bless. And we hope you enjoy today's message. So as I said last week, we're going to be working our way through the first lesson, the series of Advent uh, on Isaiah throughout Advent. Last week, your activity was to do some pre-writing exercise. I didn't get any complaints this week. I didn't get any emails saying I'm never coming back to church again. So I'm assuming no one had a traumatic event from last week's sermon activity. So I thought we'd try another one. I know we're all Lutheran here. We don't like doing things that, you know, that make us that are, make us feel uncomfortable doing things that are outside of our norm. Trust me, I was the one who wanted to walk out of the workshop last week uh, at the couples retreat. So this week, I want to engage all of our kinesthetic learners, those those people who learn best by doing it themselves, working with those hands, those, those people who, who will buy a bookshelf from Target or Ikea, will open the box up, throw out the instructions, and then 45 minutes later, after misplacing their hammer, their screwdriver, go try to find the instructions to put the bookcase together because it's all crooked. Those types of kinesthetic learners, we're going to be playing with Play-Doh. And somewhere I am missing my Play-Doh up here, but that's okay. Dr. Bowles started out the session by handing out little jars of Play-Doh like you had before. He read the text from us and then told us to sculpt an image from the text. Yeah, not sure how many of you don't know this about me. I'm not very artistic. There's no sculpting ability in my in my repertoire. I took a ceramics class in college because I had to take an art credit. It was ceramics for non-art majors. I hated this class. I loathed this class. The, I was covered in head to toe every week in clay. The first week I, I went straight from my, my desk job at the hospital where I had to wear a suit and tie and was covered in my nice new suit in clay, red clay, and I had to get throw out the whole suit. Last week at the Craft Advent Craft Night, Darcy asked me to um, help her put together a craft. I'm sorry, Darcy. We really screwed that craft up. But I, I, ended up, I think I glued my hand to the table at one point. I, I, it, was, it was bad. Darcy really fixed it up. Pastor Christine saved the day. You know, if you give me some 2 by 4 some screws, a few other tools, I can build you almost anything. I can't promise you that it's going to be like Roger Wall quality where it's going to look good. But you can probably stand on it and it won't collapse. You give me a crack and say, here, glue this stuff together and make this thing. I, I can't be that creative. I'm not probably end up gluing myself to a table, to, to the craft, or to somebody else. I'd be covered in head to toe in paint and glitter. Which, by the way, I was covered in head to toe last week in paint and glitter. So what in the world am I going to do to crafting something out of Play-Doh? Was my question. So Dr. Voles gets up, he reads the text for us. And one word stands out to me in the entire text from Isaiah. Asp. I had no idea what an asp was before August. And so I do what every millennial does. I, I pulled out my smartphone and I googled it. An asp is a snake. Anyone can make a snake out of Play-Doh, right? Even the most incompetent artists like myself, we can make an asp 
And the text also says he lives in a hole. So I made a simple little dwelling place. I, I flatted out some Play-Doh on my table and I made a cylinder. Boom. You have a dwelling place for my snake. My brothers and sisters, this stupid little activity did something for me. Typically when I read a text like Isaiah, I go to what makes me feel comfortable. What sounds familiar. A shoot from, shall come out from the stock of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of his roots. How many of you, when you hear that, there's O come, O come, Emmanuel, come in your mind, that verse that says, O come, O branch of Jesse's stem, until your own and rescue them. I can picture that part of the text in my mind very easily. I can even sing it. And then in verse 2 and 3, we hear what many Christians call the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest on them. The Spirit of wisdom. And understanding the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord, his delight, his joy shall be in the fear of the Lord. When I read this passage, this is what immediately draws my attention because it makes me feel comfortable inside. I know what the prophet is saying. I can picture it. I can sing it. I can write a sermon about it in like a half hour or less. And then we get to verses 3b to 5. And this is, this is great if you're ever having a really bad day as a Christian. This is the good stuff. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor. And decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. I feel like if we had some Eye of the Tiger music playing during that, it would have been perfect, right? This is like every Christian's dream passage. All those people who have made fun of me for being a Christian didn't help me in my walk of faith, didn't support me in my walk of faith. All that time I got the short end of the stick. The time is coming when God will smite them all. It's like the text is saying, you all just wait. You think you're strong now. You just wait to see our God. We all like to think of ourselves as the poor, the meek, the weak. We like to think that God will, will kill the wicked, as the prophet says. That God will one day strike the earth and seek vengeance on our behalf. This passage makes us feel good inside. We revel in this sort of thing. Rags to riches stories. But I had no idea how to sculpt any of that from Plato. I can preach it with no problem. How do you sculpt it? Instead, my attention was drawn to the latter half of the, gospel, of the first lesson. The wolf, the wolf shall live with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid. Have any of you all seen this in real life, other than in pictures? Any of your nature shows ever seen something like this? I haven't. A baby calf and a lion living in harmony. You know what a baby calf is for a lion? It's dinner. It's not harmony. Harmony for the lion, but not certainly the calf. And a little child leading them all. Can you all visualize something like this? Like, outside of your imagination? Does anything like this exist? A cow and a bear grazing in the same field, a lion turning down a delicious dinner for a bowl of salad. 
a child will play with a snake and the mother and father will be okay with it. Listen, y'all. I let Thomas play with a lot of probably dangerous things, most particularly an electric train set. You can't die from 12 volts, but it certainly isn't fun to electrocute yourself off of it. But I would never hand my son a wild snake. I would never certainly tell him, hey, there's that snake then in the backyard, Thomas. Go over and play with it. I'll see you later. Good luck. This image that the prophet is describing is so very foreign to our existence. It would have seen none of this is ever going to be possible. Lions eating straw, children playing with wild snakes, lambs and wolves dwelling together. It's impossible to think any of this is possible. Yet the prophet says one day this will be our reality. The world will only know peace when this happens. So the last half-empty side of me says, so we'll never know peace then. The world will always be in a state of chaos and mess. The last half-full side of me, though, says, but we will know this new era is near. The new time is near when the impossible starts to become possible. God does impossible things for impossible people in impossible times all the time. And we are so quick to forget this very fact. We've even put it into our scriptures. Matthew 19, 26. For mortals it is impossible, but for God all things are possible. One day the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord, just like the sea is made of water. One day this new reality will take hold in our lives. And that is certainly both good news and bad news all at the same time. It's really good news because it's give us something to hope for. But it's bad news for all of us living in the meantime. How I would long to live in this new reality. To just have a glimpse of this new age that Isaiah is laying out before us. And then we get to the very last verse of today's pericope from Isaiah. On that day, the root of Jeshi shall stand as a signal to the peoples. The nation shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. On that day, the offspring of Jesse will stand as a signal. What possible signal could God have used to mark the beginning of this new era? What possible cosmic light sign could God have put into the sky to signal to the world a new era has begun? A star. And who comes to see Jesus? Who follows a star for a ridiculously long time? Foreigners, magi, outsiders. That sounds a lot like the nation shall inquire of him. And his dwelling shall be glorious. They got me there. Being born in a stable, laying Jesus in a feeding trough, and wrapping him in scraps of cloth does not sound all that glorious. I've often talked in many Christmas Eve sermons about how the stables... Uh, were not what we have imagined them to be. Stables most likely would have been a cave, not a wooden structure. Although I'm not sure why wooden structures make us feel all warm and cozy inside, but a cave does not. You know, caves are naturally well insulated from the cold. They require little to no maintenance, and they're essentially free to make. You either find one naturally, or if you've got a couple of days, you get a hammer and a chisel, and boom, you have a cave. The idea that Jesus would be born in a cave is a whole lot less appealing to Americans than being born in a barn. Till we realize where Jesus was laid after he was taken down from the cross. In his final dwelling place, 
the final dwelling place of Jesus, the world was forever changed when he rose from the grave, when he broke out of his cave, destroying the hold of death once and for all. So what in this text is speaking to you today, my brothers and sisters? What do you feel like sculpting? Are, are you all about the season of Advent, verse 1? Are you all about sculpting the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Are you all about seeking vengeance, recompense, seeing evil thrown down and the lowly lifted up? Are you all about the impossible being possible? Are you, all about, are you already in the mindset of Christmas and the little baby leading his people? Or are you like me, a hopeless artist, stuck with a bunch of snakes? God likes hopeless causes, my brothers and sisters. No matter where you fall on the spectrum this day, I want you to go home. Or if you get bored here, pull out that Play-Doh and craft something with this Play-Doh. And may you be a witness to the new era God has been crafting for many millennia.